Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Welcome to the latest episode of the Five on the Floor podcast. Today's episode is brought to us by Magic City Casino. We're very excited for The High. That's J-A-I at Magic City this summer. The High is putting a brand new spin on a classic Miami experience featuring unbeatable drink specials, a live DJ, indoor lawn game area, live highlight, and so much more. The High is going to be Miami's newest hotspot on Friday and Saturday nights. Maybe we can get Russell Westbrook to come out and join us. I'm sure Jimmy Butler would. Mark your calendars to live the high life, J-A-I, starting on July 19th. And Alf, Sydney, and I are going to be out there taping podcasts. Today, we are not in the same location. I'm still in Las Vegas. I actually extended my stay through Friday. Uh, you know, longest I've ever stayed in Vegas, Alf. I'm going to be out here a full week. That's not healthy, man. No, it's not. Although I've been good, I, I got to say. <laughs> I, I, I've, been, I've been working. I don't know it's just a matter of time, man. Vegas I, will get you. I, I know. I've already, I've already at my second hotel. I mean, yesterday there was a, a media party at I would just everybody just wants to hear Russell Westbrook news I'm sorry there was a media party uh, over at the wind which is pretty great but I mean I midnight man I'm 46 you know at midnight <laughs> three o'clock eastern I thought I was adjusted to the time change I was like I you know waved to my guy Shandell Richardson I said I'll see you tomorrow um, and that's pretty much what I did but one of the reasons that I'm trying to be good is because I don't know what's going to break at any time and you know you really can't be stumbling down steps somewhere when all of a sudden Russell Westbrook <laughs> is traded to Miami. I mean you can be, but it's it's not ideal. Um you got some but, rooftop bar trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So all right, so let's get right to it. Um there's one topic today. We're not going to talk Jimmy Butler. I've got the Jimmy Butler Chronicles that are going to be coming out. I've taped with five different writers who've covered him. So that's going to be on 5 on the floor. I also uh, recorded, I'm sorry, I used taped again. I recorded with uh, Yante Mayton, <laughs> Mayton, Duncan Robinson, uh, and now because my brain is fried, I can't even think of the point guard who's playing so well right now. None. Kendrick Nunn. So I've, I've taped, uh, recorded with all three, and I'll be putting those out in the next week. But we're just going to talk Russell Westbrook today. Um, you know, this kind of started. Uh, I, I didn't start it, but I guess I anticipated it. Uh, the minute the Paul George announcement was made, I put up a poll at about, what was it, 3 in the morning Eastern time, saying, did the Heat go get Russ? And it's just the first thing that came to mind, Alf. And I didn't need any inside information. I wasn't texting anybody at 3 in the morning Eastern uh, to find out. It's just I've covered the Heat for 25 years under Pat Riley. <laughs> I mean, it's a natural progression of things, right? Right. It's where they, he goes, right? Every team needs two stars right now, and – you got a second one available, so you have to go get – you have to do – you have to at least do the due diligence to find out are they available or not. Right, and it turns out now today, after a few days, the inevitable has occurred, which is – this is the pattern of this, is that somebody in the negotiation or on in the team leaks to Woj uh, or Shams um, saying that, you know, uh, a guy wants out. And that's basically what happened today. Now, Russ didn't say he wants out, but they framed it in a much more positive way. That, that he's open. He's open to it, which, yeah. which is, is, is a way to protect his image in Oklahoma City in part because he may really want out. But, look, he was the guy who stayed, right? Durant left. He stayed. Uh, Harden left. You know, he stayed. And so, you know, I, I think that there is, you know, there, there's a cultural 
connection, which is kind of a weird one between a guy like Westbrook, who's very LA and all the rest of that. And, you know, and a city like Oklahoma city, which has one street. Um, yeah. But a city like Oklahoma city loyalty goes a long way. Yes. Right. Cause they're, they're, they don't expect anybody to want to stay. So when somebody wants to stay, they're going to give them all the love that they possibly can. And they did that with Paul George too, because it looked like Paul George wanted to be there and then he didn't. And so the perception of George and Westbrook is going to be very different there as the perception of Durant was, where I think Westbrook is the one guy who's going to survive, at least in that sense, with his reputation intact. Now there's issues on the basketball side and you and I are going to talk about that in this podcast, but at least you know, the way it's proceeded in OKC. So uh, this has moved, like we're at step three of a five-step process. And you know, now it's a question of, okay, what, what do teams have to give up? Now, the only teams that I've even heard, Alf, that have been involved in this at all, and this is from talking to writers of various teams out here and some other people, is, is you know, the Heat, the Knicks, and Detroit. Those are the three. And what about the Rockets? Well, the Rockets, too. I, you're right. I should include them. Daryl Morey throws himself into all of this stuff. <laughs> Anytime uh, someone's available. He's like, we're, we're getting <laughs> he it. <laughs> he sniffs blood. He goes for it. He's crazy. Right. Well, he does, and, and his media shills, uh, you know, because Morey has a lot of them, uh, they, they go out there and, you know, they, they all want to hang out with him at the Sloan Conference in, in Boston. And so, you know, they all go out there and say, oh, the Rockets can get this guy when the Rockets can't actually get this guy. Now, uh, maybe they do in this case, but they were not particularly close to Jimmy Butler at any point. And, you know, they were considered to be the foil to the Heat. And I was hearing at the time that he was not, was not really an option. And it hasn't, it wasn't obviously before the heat made the trade. So you've got three teams that are potentially involved, but all of them are problematic in some ways. And we'll get to the heat last. Uh, Detroit's problematic uh, in the sense of, I don't, I don't think they know what they are. Right. So they have Blake and they have Drummond who they've been trying to move. And like, I keep forgetting to even count them as a playoff team, even though they were. Uh, and, and I feel like there is going to be a push for them to make a move because it is a way to get them relevant again. I don't know if it gets them to the top three or four of the, of the East. And I don't think, I think that you talk about Westbrook and Butler being a bad fit. I think Westbrook and Blake are a terrible fit. Terrible. Uh, a lot fit. of guys don't like playing with Blake because, you know, they don't perceive him as tough enough. The whole thing that happened with DeMarcus Cousins was not an accident. You, you listen to players talk about Blake. There's some questions there. I, I guess uh, we'll get to the heat last. The Detroit fit, Alf, and the question I would have related to it is, my concern, if you want the Heat to get Westbrook, and I know you do not, but if you want the Heat to get Westbrook. <laughs> we, why would you frame it that, that way? What have I said that makes make you think you said anything. I don't, <laughs> I don't want Westbrook on the Heat? Your Twitter figures. I, I've got to go back. <laughs> I have receipts. But, but Detroit, I guess the concern for the Heat would be that Detroit has more draft picks to offer, and I also feel like they're more desperate than the Heat. Um, That's the thing. Right. When I look at Detroit, I say basketball fit, no but desperation like Detroit basketball what is it like you said there's no identity there like they brought in Blake and they were a surprise playoff team like you didn't expect them to do the Blake thing You're, this 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 Westbrook thing is going to be unexpected they're not drafting very well at all um uh, free agents don't want to go there um it's you know did nobody wants to live it's like you know it's another Cleveland like nobody Detroit isn't like a hot spot that people want to go live in mm -hmm. so they have to make these kind of kinds of moves when they're available. So to me, the desperation of the Pistons and the fact that they can't draft well anyway, <laughs> which probably probably means they'll give up every pick that they possibly can, any contract they can give up. And now they have Russell with Westbrook and Blake Griffin, and it makes them at least 
um, an interesting team. I don't know if it makes them a good team or a great team. It makes them interesting. And in a place like Detroit, interesting is all that matters. Right. And they, they, they're in the new downtown arena. And, you know, it's, it's you know, been a challenge to fill it at times in that city. Uh, and so they, they do need to make, do sort of desperate things. I mean, I, I, Dwayne Casey in Westbrook, would that work? I mean, Casey was the first guy to really get to Kyle Lowry. So maybe it would. But I, I, I don't think it's an ideal fit. But I do can see them pushing all their chips on the table to just sort of make this happen. And that is a concern for the heat because if you're in a negotiation and you've got somebody else that your counterparty is dealing with and that, that, that other someone else is desperate, then it forces you to do maybe more than you want to do. Um, and so that would be, that would be a concern there. Um, let's go to the Knicks. Uh, the Knicks can't do it right now is the problem. I, there was somebody who said to me, I can't remember. I don't know if it was a writer or an executive. It's all running together at this point, Alf. But somebody said to me, that the Knicks basically just should have reneged on all their contracts. Like just, you know, all these, <laughs> all, all these contracts that they signed, uh, you know, I, I, poor Wayne Ellington, but the Wayne Ellingtons and the, who is it? Julius Randall and some of these other, to just renege on it. And, and then you would have the opportunity to, to potentially make something happen with Russ. Uh, the problem is you sign these guys, you can't move them until December 15th uh, at the earliest. Yeah, the Knicks aren't an option just because they can't, I mean, they can't move the contracts they had. And I think it was Levitar that was saying this, and it's true. Teams like the Knicks and the Lakers scrambled. Once, once they found out they weren't getting who they thought they would get, hmm. they scrambled and they signed all these guys. And if they had just – maybe if they had been patient, uh, a Westbrook – you know, maybe Westbrook on a team with LeBron and AD is, is – maybe that's, that puts them over the hump. Or, you know, Westbrook in New York, now they have a star that they can build on. But – um, they went crazy signing all these, but, you know. But, Alf, I don't want to pin it on them too much because if you go back to 2016, I mean, the Heat kind of did the same thing, right? The Heat, oh, the Heat have done it twice, I feel like. Right. Well, the Heat, the Heat didn't have Dwayne, right? So as soon as Dwayne wasn't there, it was, okay, we're locking up Tyler Johnson. Oof, right? The, the Deion Waiters contract made sense, the one year at 2.7. I think it was one year and five for James Johnson. Ellington, what was it, five or six? for one year. So like they, they, they made like all these moves. I think they Luke Babbitt trade. Like they were like six moves that they had lined up and we were all like, Oh, that's really smart. And actually it was other than the Tyler move. It was all good stuff. The problem was they decided to keep some of those guys afterwards. But like, yeah, I mean, 2016 wasn't dumb, but at the same time, there also wasn't a Westbrook that became available in 2016 but you after never the heat. No, right? Like, so, I mean, there could have been. And then we, yeah. Would, why, why did they just lock all those guys up? So, yeah, I don't see the Knicks as a real possibility at this point either. So, we all talk about everything in the NBA is leverage, right? And everything is, is seizing your opportunity and circumstances change. I was told a story today. I don't know if this has ever really been totally told about sort of how close the Heat were to breaking things up in the, in the 2016-17 season. Like everybody bangs on them for, you know, buying into the 30 and 11. When they were 11 and 30 or on that road trip, the team, the, the, the key people in the, in the Heat front office had not been together for a while, right? The team was on the road for a while and they were sinking to 11 and 30, becoming less and less relevant. And finally, there was a conversation that was had between a couple of people in the front office saying, okay, you know, when we all get together again, we need to talk about this. You know, where is this going? Because the Heat don't go into seasons wanting to tank, but they will make an adjustment to go that direction. 2007, 2008 is the perfect example. They didn't go into that year planning to tank, okay? They thought they had a real chance. They still had core pieces from the championship team, but circumstances changed and so they tanked so anyway the 16-17 season they were supposed to get back together when everybody got home 
and they got home. And then the Heat won the first game, and then the Heat won the second game, and then the Heat won the third game, and then the Heat won the fourth game. So they were supposed to have this conversation about blowing up the team, and they just decided never to have the conversation because they won 13 straight. <laughs> that, that's, and again, so people think – the reason I'm bringing up that story – is because, I mean, they were like literally two or three days away from just gutting that thing. Well, you know, something about that 13-game winning streak. At the time, right before they came back, right, and I looked at the schedule, I wrote on Twitter, the Heat are winning the next thir- 13 of the next 15 games. Like, if you go back and look at that schedule, except for the uh, Houston win and the Golden State win, they should have won every single one of those games. But they were losing, but up, they were I, I, possible, but they were losing to teams they should have. But, but won and listen, and I loved the thirty to eleven. Listen, I were I I was all I drank all that Kool Aid. But at the time, if the front office had looked at if they looked at the schedule going forward, they should have they should have told themselves these guys can turn around. Let's do something now before they do with the fan base latches on to some of these guys. Well, but, but they're not going to think that way, right? <laughs> no, no, no. You're right, but they're not yeah. thinking of fan base. They're thinking of of, okay, I think that's why they held off, right? And they're like, let's all get together and have this meeting when everybody's home. And they knew they had a favorable schedule coming up, but the team hadn't given any indication they were going to do anything with the favorable schedule. So I think it was – and then all of a sudden they win some games, and it's like, okay. And my, my point on this is, is that in the NBA, circumstances change like that. And so everybody's like, well, this team didn't have a plan or they didn't have a vision. Well, maybe they did, and shit happened. Like, Sam Presti didn't go into this offseason thinking he was training Paul George, right? Like, think of how many things had to happen. Paul George is third in MVP, okay? Third and had sort of declared his love for OKC, right? Decided to stay there, okay? Which, as you said, others don't want to do. And so you go into this offseason thinking the last thing on your mind is Paul George is leaving Oklahoma City. Like, that's the last thing. But what happens? Well, a bunch of crazy shit happens totally independent of Oklahoma city, like had nothing to do with Oklahoma city. Like Kawhi holds up the Lakers where he's supposed to go at first Toronto wins a championship. Okay. Which sort of satisfied, you know, made Kawhi feel. And I think in some ways he could go right. They win a championship because Kawhi's crazy shot goes in, right? If that doesn't happen, why maybe Philly's the champion right now. Everything looks different. Jimmy Butler's not in Miami because they probably would have brought the whole damn thing back. And Jimmy probably would have wanted to come back after he, you imagine Jimmy in a parade, he would have come back to Philadelphia. Okay. Yeah, of course Uh, he would Right. So my, my point is, how many things had to happen? You know, Kawhi, the Clippers, I mean, Dallas pulling out of the trade with the Heat, you know, Rat Finks, right? Pulling yeah. out of the trade with the Heat, which forced the Heat to dump a draft pick to the Clippers, which the Clippers end up using to make that deal happen. So what I'm saying is we can talk about this is a smart organization. This is a dumb organization. And I do agree that there are certain organizations, okay, the Heat, San Antonio, Golden State, Toronto, uh, I think New Orleans now with Griff, like th- there are, you know, I think Utah's excellent. I think Denver's become excellent. There are 10 to 12 really good organizations, really well run, but you can only do so much like stuff changes. And so I, I come back to this, the team like the Knicks doesn't know that something's going to happen. To- they have to do what's best for them at that point. Right. And now let's get to the heat. Okay. Because they didn't have any idea Russell Westbrook was going to be available. They didn't know that, right? They just knew their philosophy is accumulate as many assets as you possibly can and then flip as many of those assets as you possibly can to get the freaking star. Like, that's, yeah. that's it. It's simple. But they didn't know which stars. Like, if the Heat had known Paul George was going to be available, now I don't think they could have made any kind of a play. They don't have the picks that the Clippers had, obviously. But what I'm saying is nobody knew Paul George was going to be available. Everybody was thinking Kawhi, Okay. And think of how the league changes if Durant doesn't blow out his Achilles. 
Like yeah, the whole thing. I mean, what does he go to Brooklyn if they win a title? Like probably not. You know what happens with Kawhi? Yeah, does does is Kawhi even looked at the same as he is now if he doesn't win that championship for Toronto? Probably so, not. If they lose to Philadelphia in that series, then it's looked at as okay. You know, it was it, Masai took a risk in Toronto and he had to, but it didn't didn't end up working because they didn't get much further. And and that's well, it. I mean, Toronto been to the Toronto has been to the Eastern Conference Finals before, right? Okay, so, so let's talk. I mean, let's talk about the Heat then. And what you're saying makes me even further think that this is not the right move. So many things can happen, right? We just talked about the way the dominoes can fall and just completely, you know, first of all, it's not even dominoes because dominoes aren't random like this. Mm. It's it's completely random, right? It's 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 a crap table, and you don't know what's going to happen next. So locking yourself in because i mean we'll talk about westbrook's contract westbrook's contract is the same contract as john wall and chris paul mm-hmm. and i probably like andrew wiggins i know andrew wiggins is as bad but you know he's a better player than andrew wiggins right. but these are those are the four worst contracts in the nba like hands down mm-hmm. i mean hassan's got one year left you could have said hassan tyler johnson expiring you could have said tyler johnson but no, now with four years left on these deals, those are the four worst contracts in the NBA. You bring in a guy like Westbrook. Now, one of these crazy things happen and somebody gets freed up around the trade deadline, you're back to being stuck again. Where you're the attractive franchi- franchise in the yeah, attractive yeah, I, town. I, I, I get it, but you're right. I get it. But you're, but you're, you're putting yourself back in the same situation. You're stuck with Russell Westbrook and Jimmy Butler, not with James Johnson and Deion Wade. Yes, but Patrick Russell. Johnson. But I mean, listen, and I, I don't like to be advanced stat guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe in the advanced stats. And they a lot of times, I think you, you said, Spoh said it, they kind of just kind of reinforce, they either prove or disprove what you already thought. Correct. And if you watch Russell Westbrook, he's a stat compiler. To me, mm-hmm. he and I, I like, I love Russell as like as a personality, as a person, as a player. Like I enjoy his style of play. But he's a Stevie Francis, he's a Stephon Marbury. Like he's one of these guys who just he's a stat compiler, and he's he he put that puts up all these counting stats. But when you dig into the numbers, he's supremely inefficient. Like historically inefficient. I'm not talking about just oh, the, you know, the, you know, he has a couple of 35% games. He's historically inefficient, right? And we and and so my thing is, yes, you might be stuck with Westbrook and Jimmy Butler, but I don't believe Westbrook and Jimmy Butler are a title-contending team, and you're stuck with that for four more years. I just don't think it's smart. Yeah, well, okay, a few things. You're right about the efficiency, and and there's no question. And, again, this is where I'm going to say, you know, that I'm going to bet on this coach. And and I think that gets over and, – and I think, to me, this is the way that the Heat philosophy has kind of been described to me the past few days, and I buy this. The Heat believe that if, if they can get to a talent – they can get to level talent, at least at the top end, okay, that with the other things that they do well – which is developing, you know, uh, you know, pieces to go around that player. Okay, maybe they don't have to go get it. Okay, because they develop it out of the G League. Okay, they get functional players. All right, they they turn guys who were passed over in the draft. I was talking to Yante Maton for a little while today about the conversations he's had with UD and about the expectations UD has for him. And you know, we always talk about all these other guys that the Heat developed, and we don't talk about UD enough. I mean, 
in that regard, right? I mean, he was, he was overseas. He was in Turkey. He wasn't eating. Okay. So he lost all that weight. He was in Turkey. Then he was on San Antonio's summer league team and that they had to basically, you know, try to bring him over. Then we're two decades later. Okay. And he still has an influence on the organization and look at the money Ronnie Magruder just got with the Clippers to be what I believe will be a sort of back end rotation piece for them. They believe if they have foundational pieces at the front. Okay. And we're going to talk about Bam in a second. But if you have Butler, Westbrook, and Bam, they can fill out the rest of it. That's what they feel. And they also feel that, again, if they create a level playing field in that regard, they will get guys to come less, come for less, to be supporting veterans like they did during the Big Three era. Maybe they don't flock the way they did for LeBron and Dwayne, but a lot of them will come because the door's back open again where you can compete, which you haven't been able to do the past two or three years. At least you know you can compete, okay? And, and the other thing about it is, they believe if it's level with their training staff and their coaching staff that they will get more out of their group than maybe some other team that has two stars but doesn't know what the hell to do with them will get out of their group. Let's look at Minnesota, for instance. Okay, I was having a conversation with John Krasinski today, excellent writer for The Athletic, who's on top of all the Jimmy but- was on top of all the Jimmy Butler stuff. And it's a great episode, and I'm going to put it out here in the next week with him talking about Jimmy. But he talked about the dynamic with Butler, Jimmy, and Towns. I'm excuse me, with Butler, Wiggins, and Towns. Whatever you think of Wiggins and whether you think Towns is soft, he's a uniquely gifted player, you had one all-star and two guys who were drafted first overall, and Minnesota couldn't do anything with him. Why? Yeah, that, I mean, because also well, Wiggins is bad. <laughs> no, <laughs> but, I, I, mean, I, no I, under, I understand. But with, no, but with Cat and Butler, you should have been able to do something. Right, and th- so the Heat's point on this and their confidence on this, and I-, I believe it because I've seen it over and over, is if you just give them a level playing field on talent, on, the, on their, their front-end talent, that, that's, the, that's, the, the, you know, that's the thing about it, I think, that, that they get put down in some ways because the big three. Because, like, well, the Heat just got LeBron and Dwayne and Bosh. How could they not win? But they have to put the right pieces around them, right? But they, okay, but Ethan, now, okay, so now, okay, Let's say the Heat make the move for Westbrook. And let's say we believe in Spo, we believe in the coaching staff, because I do. I do believe in them, but there's certain times I believe that certain, I mean, inefficient going to inefficient. I mean, right. and also old is going to old and athleticism fades. But let's say, uh, put all that to the side. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the transaction. And this is where I'm at the point, man. I've reached Thanos levels of inevitability, right? <laughs> <laughs> this thing is going to happen. All right. I, I, I know you like the tweet happen. I sent out. It was, it was, I saw your tweet. It was going to happen the minute that Paul George was traded. No, I'm talking about that. He, he's Joe Biden. He's my Joe Biden, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I got to stick with him for four more years. And I'm, listen, as a Heat fan, I'm going to support him, right? I'm fighting it now. But well, listen, when election day comes, opening day comes, I'm going to be in there cheering. But maybe I'll get a, a Russell Westbrook jersey. But anyway, let's talk about the transaction. You're talking about putting the right pieces around players. Mm-hmm. here's my biggest problem with the Westbrook move. You are taking on one of the, like I said, one of the four worst contracts in the league. If you are going to do this, you do not give up a single important asset. You do not, you know, you maybe you take the protections off that pick. That's fine. Cause they have the 2023 heat pick. You right. take the protections off that pick, but you do not send hero. You do not send bam and you do not send justice. Because if you give, get rid of those three guys, what are you surrounding Butler and Westbrook with? Yeah, because if it's, a win now, if it's a win-now move, you need those guys. You need young, cheap guys on your team. But why does it have to be – okay, why does it have to be win this year? Win-now doesn't have to be win 
this year. I said this on, on, our, on our last podcast, I was talking to Evan about this, is that, you know, you look at, again, the Shaq acquisition. I'm not comparing Shaq to Jimmy, okay, in, in the sense of where they are, all right, in their respective career. You know, Shaq's a top 15, 20 player of all time, okay? Jimmy's not, okay? He's a top 15 player right now. So I'm not comparing them in that sense. But what I- Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. I'm saying is when Pat got Shaq, it was a two-year project. It wasn't a one-year project. All right. And and, and and I know you say Russ and is getting less efficient over time. Maybe Russ gets rejuvenated going in a new situation. Maybe okay. rejuvenated being the right situation. I don't think we have to look at this like they gotta win the title this year. But I listen. Think- I just have, to have the pieces in place to be able to build something. And, and, and Alf, my thing about it is like, okay, again, that first year, Damon Jones was their point guard the whole year. You think they wanted that? I mean, they let Damon go the first time, first minute he asked for money, but it was the second year. It was after that year where they were like, okay, we need somebody more dynamic. Okay. So they went out and got Jay will. Okay. They need somebody, you know, who we could play at the three and the four. I didn't, I hated the move at the time, but, the Antoine Walker move. Okay, we need a 3 and D player. They got a tough 3 and D player. We get James Posey. Like, and then we need a backup for, for Jason Williams in case things don't go right. And they went out and got GP. They added four pieces. And I, I just don't think you can look at – and that's after Elf. They should have won the title their first year with Shaq. Like, okay, and that, that first year with Shaq, yes, they should have won the title. But I don't think in today's NBA you can win with a hodgepodge of veterans anymore. Like, I don't think – like, that whole – getting guys off the scrap heap, putting them together. Like you're not beating anyone in today's NBA with that hodgepodge of veterans. And you see what young, decent three and D guys go for. Now you're going to be cash strapped. What, 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 what if, what if KZ Akpala, who's not going to play tomorrow, unfortunately, because he's not quite up to speed. What if he becomes that for them? What if he becomes a three for what if, what if Mayton, okay. Who they've held on to long enough at this point, uh, you know, turns into a functional, you know, back up four. Okay. That's a lot. Of, I mean, that's, I mean, you're counting on a lot of G league guys to become they've done it though, man. Like, I mean, we, look, they paid Tyler Johnson $19 million a year. Like it's, it's not like they haven't identified guys who've been core, you know, NBA, like to me, Tyler Johnson could be on, uh, could be a seventh or eighth or probably ninth guy on a very, very competitive team. Like it's just the problem with Tyler. wasn't that they didn't find a good player there. It was that, he was sort of maxed out. And at the same time, he was literally almost maxed out money-wise. Like th- that was the issue, but I have faith. You see, you say, okay, so you're not going to go get the Rashard Lewis's and the Shane Battier's and the Ray Allen's and all these other guys that they surrounded the big three teams with, because maybe that doesn't work as well. Okay. And they've tried a bunch of guys didn't work. Turiaf was, eh, Eddie Curry didn't work. Oh, damn. Greg Oden. 
Odin, Bibby, Michael Beasley, fourteen Bibby times championship. Right, man. Look, they they tried a whole you know Tony Douglas. They tried a whole bunch of those guys. What I'm saying is you you don't have to go that route necessarily, but you can. That's the route that the Lakers are going right now. Frankly, that's all. That's all LeBron knows, right? LeBron is not gonna wait for some young kid to develop. Okay, he's not gonna wait. You know, as you know, the Heat weren't gonna wait for Terrell Harris to turn into something. It was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> uh, I mean, the Heat cut loose Patrick Beverly. All right, who's now one of the more valuable players in the league in terms of what he provides defensively? You know, because they wanted to keep Eddie House. Why do you think they kept Eddie? House? I mean, LeBron loves Patrick Beverly now, but they kept Eddie House because he was somebody that the coaches and also LeBron and the other guys trusted because they'd seen him play before. I just, I think they can find enough ways to add complementary talent, but you need the pieces. Now we can say Westbrook isn't the guy, but look, Tyler Harrell. I'm going to stop people right now, and I've been sort of mocking Heat fans all day, okay? But you can't, as a Heat fan, I'm sorry, okay? You can't go, and go from doing memes about how washed Pat Riley is because he drafted this guy 12 spots before he was supposed to go, okay? And he was basically Jimmer for deads, okay? You can't do that, and now all of a sudden, Tyler Harrow, because he has – Untouchable. Because he shot 32% from three, okay, playing against China and Utah Summer League. Team. And I like him, okay? I like what I've seen. Untouchable. He's showing you a little head. We can't move this guy for an eight-time All-Star. Give me a fucking break, Al. Well, I mean, listen, okay. One, if it's one guy, right? Okay, maybe you do a Harrow. Um, maybe you do Winslow, which I would hate. But I don't know how well Winslow fits next to Westbrook and Butler. Correct. Correct. Um, that's why. That's, that's why he's more expendable than Bam. And then, but I, listen, I, I I might be okay with one of the guys. I, I won't be. I'll be upset. <laughs> but eventually, I'll get over it. But if you're like you know, I've seen these trade scenarios where it's one, two, three guys in a pick. I'm like, there's absolutely but, but, no but how, way. How, whose trade scenario is that? I people have been sending me that. And I've been saying, no, like, who, who is, who's come up with that? You have the best NBA writers in the country, okay? Zach Lowe is the best NBA writer in the country, okay? To me, it's not particularly close, all right? And, and I, he was talking, we had a conversation today. He doesn't, he, he doesn't like Westbrook much as a player. He just doesn't, okay? For the same, a lot of the same reasons you're talking about, the inefficiency stuff. But, you know, but he's declared him a negative asset. Even Woj just kind of declared him a negative asset. And all the GMs in the league think he's a negative asset. That's why there's two teams going for him well, right now. Part of it is a lot of teams can't afford him, right? But, uh, but because they can't they, – they just can't move the pieces like the Heat can in this case, which is funny because, it's, again, it's, there are obstacles, but, you know, there are none, right? Like, so uh, this is the whole thing. I mean, th there's this trust in Andy to basically figure, that out, figure it out, and he's going to. And so they'll be able to move pieces if they need to move pieces, and they'll shuttle something to somebody else, and that'll be the deal, okay? But – I, I just, to me, you have to get, you got to get the stars and you can't always choose the star. You know, when the Heat went out and got, I've mentioned Tim Hardaway before, but like people forget, Tim was done. Tim was done. Like it wasn't like Tim was playing behind BJ Armstrong. I've seen you do this. I've seen you do this on, on Twitter. He was not a super max contract. I though. understand, but it was. We have to. Like, we, everyone keeps saying Antoine Walker, Gary Payton, Jason Williams, Tim Hardaway. No, that was me. Now, I've been yeah. saying all those things. <laughs> they weren't making $47 million in their last year. I understand. I understand. But there were different ways of talent acquisition at that stage, right? Yeah, but like, everybody everybody says, Tim Hardaway didn't cripple your cat. <laughs> I, I understand it, thing. but Tim Hardaway was perceived to be an NBA cripple. I, he was playing behind B. I don't think I can put in the proper context what that but is. Low, that's low risk, high reward. 
but it was it was okay. It was low risk, high reward because they didn't give up a ton in those trades other than Billy Owens, and nobody had been able to tap in his potential really, and the Heat really couldn't either. Okay, so I I, I get it, but I, I'm just all I'm saying is that it, you know with you have to take risks and everybody there's been a ding against every one of these guys they brought in okay now maybe not Shaq so much it was more personality driven but there were some questions about how much Shaq really had left this kind of a franchise fulcrum and you didn't really know that Dwayne was going to blow up quite the way he did the second season so even with Shaq there was a little bit of risk Jamal Mashburn was another one I know he didn't turn into what Heat players wanted but he, he ended up being the third best player on a very good team at times he was the second best player and, you know, they gave up a guy in Kurt Thomas that had been a first-round pick for them, and Jamal was considered to be damaged goods when they got him. That's what you do. That's what Pat does. He's a scavenger. He's not a, he's not, he's, he's not a groomer. He's a scavenger. He'll go out and get the guy when he's a little bit down. And he, you look at Westbrook, and you look at Butler, and I think, and I haven't any, Pat's not out here from what I've seen, which is surprising to me, okay? But, like, you know, Andy's out here. Adam Simon's out here. There are some who are out here, but Pat's not. Shane Batty is not. I haven't seen the heiresses. But, Pat is looks at Jimmy Butler, I bet, looks at Jimmy Butler and, and Russell Westbrook and sees himself. He sees himself in these guys, okay? This, you know, the, you know where he's a little bit damaged, okay, and people don't believe as much and all the rest of it. And, and I just think Butler and Westbrook, like, people are worried, like, the, as you, like the two, polar, you know, two similar guys, but, like, they're going to spontaneously combust when they're on the same court. I think they're going to fucking love each other. Oh, no, Dude. listen, I, I don't think that's going to be a problem, like – now, now there are other people on the team if they've remained on the team where, where there might be an issue. Yes. <laughs> I could yes. see some problems in some of those huddles when it comes out to who's going to take the last shot. Well, but hold on. Hold on a second. And I bang on Dion at times. But I, all the talk at Oklahoma City was that there was a good relationship there between Westbrook and Dion. So I, I don't know. I mean, if Dion's still here, is that the worst case scenario? I, I, don't, I don't think so. I just I don't know how we've made – look, Bam Adebayo to me is untouchable. Okay, because I, I just think he's unique. Uh, I think it's harder to replace a guy like that. I just think there's sort of limitless potential there. Maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe he'll just be a functional starting center or power forward in the NBA. I think there's a lot more there. And I love Justice. But, you know, if you have Westbrook and Butler, you don't I, – I don't really know that, you, you know, Justice fits all that well. And maybe Justice going to Oklahoma City to run his own team – uh, is, is, would be the best thing for him. I'm not sure. And I don't really want them to give up Justice Winslow. But let's stop it with Tyler Harrow, please. I like what I've seen. But, <laughs> but, I mean, but, I mean, somebody brought this up on Twitter. This wasn't mine. But James Ennis was a star in Summer League, okay? And he couldn't yeah, we, functionally dribble. Like now yeah, we knew he couldn't dribble in Summer, summer League. Right. Though. But now he's – look, now he's a rotation. You know, he's a rotation player on a playoff team. And that's probably where he's maxed. But, I mean, let's, let's stop it. Like, yeah, I see some Mike Miller comparisons, you know, uh, you know, there when I watch Tyler Harrow, he's not quite as big, but there are some similarities to Miller early career. Right? People, when I tweeted that, they're like, well, Mike couldn't move with the heat, right? Because he, I mean, basically his back was broken. But, like, I'm talking about Orlando Mike Miller. Like, you know, all right. So, okay. So I'll, I'll give up Harrow and that's it. <laughs> that's all you get. You get Hero, Dion, Goron, James Johnson, Kelly Olinick. No, actually, you don't get Kelly Olinick. Well, they kind of need Kelly Olynyk. That's what I'm saying. You can't. They. They. I mean. I mean. If, unless they believe in Myers Leonard that much. Well, I don't think they do. I. You, you don't have. If they don't. If you don't have spacing on the wings and the backcourt, you need spacing in the frontcourt, right? So I, I. That is. He's an important guy. But I, I guess what I'm trying to get you out of, and we're going to come right back after the break. But like, what I'm trying to get you out of is this thought of. 
well, you have to fill in all the pieces this year. They're not going to be able to. Like, they're going to make this trade and they're going to gut the roster. It's just going to, it's, it's going to happen. And, it, you know, but they're not going to gut it to the degree that some are talking about on Twitter where you're giving up the three kids in a first-round pick and drug it. It's like, that's not happening. But they're going to have to gut it to some degree. There's not much left out there right now. And there just isn't. I mean, they're not getting Kyle Korver. He's, he's probably either Milwaukee with Bud or he'll end up in, in Los Angeles with the Lakers if it hasn't happened by the time we end this podcast. Like, so I, I just, I, you know, Avery Bradley's gone. Like, you know, most of the pieces that you might want to add to the team are gone. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to look a little ugly, but, I mean, it was a little ugly with Carlos Arroyo, you know, bless his heart, as point guard for the first 45 games of a big three. I mean, they put, I mean, Levitard made the joke, like, that he could play point guard with that team. That's basically what they did. I mean, they, they yeah, had they Arroyo. Do. They had Arroyo and Bibby, and they wouldn't play Rio. Like so, I, I you know that first season. So I just think we got to get we got to get at, get out of that frame of mind that like okay, if you can't get it all this year, it's not worth doing. I, I just think but it, it but but yeah, I also have the problem with just the player himself. I know. Well, let's talk about that when we come back. All right. So we're introducing. We're not really introducing because they've been with us forever and we share an office with them. But we want to introduce them to people that haven't listened to the podcast before. The attorneys at Seltzer Mayberg. You can find them at onecalllegal.com. That's onecalllegal.com or call 1-855-5000-LAW. That's 1-855-5000-LAW. They handle cases including but not limited to car accidents, slip and falls, and traffic tickets with a new 15,000-square-foot office. We can tell you because we're in there all the time. It's beautiful on I-95 in North Miami and you can come in and see them. They will handle cases all over the state. Call now with 24-7 service for a free consultation. That's onecalllegal.com, 1-855-5000-LAW. And one of the attorneys there, Eric Katz, uh, just saying hello to him so he doesn't blow up my phone with text asking me what's going on. By the way, that has to stop. For anybody who's listening to this podcast but has my number, um, Eric can do it because they're a sponsor, and I, I work around Eric all the time. But some of the others, like if I have news, I'll probably put it out there for everybody at the same time. Like, I, I that, 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 just, it's like, everybody's looking for it. Oh, do you think this thing's going to happen? Like, so like, I'm checking to see like, if it's an important text and it's like someone who I, you know, communicated with on Twitter three times. And it's like, you know, do you think this is going to happen? Can you give me the scoop? And I'm like, you know, should I be charging for this? Like $25, $50? Yeah, ever since I started this podcast with you, people are acting like I'm an expert, which is hilarious to me. Well, you're as much of an expert as me, but I, like, I mean, like no, but like I'm an insider. Like, uh, oh, oh Alf says his gut feeling is that it's not going to happen. I'm like, guys, you know, I don't know anything, right? <laughs> you know what? Just just tell them something. They don't. I mean, it's like it's it's, it's like that guy. Ari, what is it? He's not Aria. 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 Something. Yeah. It's uh, that guy who basically you know said the Clippers were out of the deal, and then he's like quadrupled down on it. Which forced Sedano to say this, you know, don't go about it this way, young fella. And I'm looking yeah, at George, George yesterday. I don't know what he puts on his skin, but he's like 41 going on 23. And I'm like, don't be calling anybody young fella. <laughs> I can't, can't be doing that. All that right, was so condescending, get, George. Come on. I, well, yeah. We love George, but yeah, it's a little of that. All right. So <laughs> let, let's, get to, uh, let's get to Westbrook, the player. You don't think he's salvageable in the sense of fixing the efficiency. Why not? Um, just okay because his shot has gotten progressively worse. It's not when you when you have these explosive, you know, uh, these these players that dominate with athleticism. What you like to see over the, over time is that they develop a game that will last. I've not seen Russell Westbrook develop a game that will last in the NBA. Like he's on the wrong, he's on, about to be on the wrong side of thirty. And he still is balls to the wall, 48 minutes a game. And he can't shoot. He, does, he can't shoot from mid-range. Um, 
he doesn't have much of a post up game. People try to tell me his post up game is solid. I don't see it. Um, and I mean, he's transitioned. He's just a bolt of lightning. And then also, everyone everyone wants to keep talking about his assist numbers and the fact that he averages a triple double. It has been proven through, like I said, I don't like to be stats guy, but his assists are almost detrimental to the offense. Whereas that Rondo thing where he's holding the ball to get it to the right person so that he gets the assist. It's not that unselfish hockey assist where he's moving the ball just to, to get enough movement to get somebody open. So, which honestly, anybody who tries to point out assists as a direct result of playmaking to me, like, listen, like get out of the eighties, bro. Like there's, 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 there's data to back up that. that. I, I think he's done some of that, but there's also this other stat, which gets in the way of your argument here a little bit, which is, when he has triple doubles, they win four out of five games. Uh, so, I, I mean, I don't like the throwing the ball up to himself for rebounds stuff either. But if you don't think that other guys don't do that, like, I mean, did we watch LeBron during that stage where he was trying to shoot 60% from the floor and, yeah. like, and he had, like, open elbow jumpers and was, like, it would turn around away from the basket? Or, I mean, he and Dwayne had a competition. And we're talking about one of the most unselfish players in, in NBA history if not the most in terms of not, I'm not talking about off the floor, but I'm talking about on the floor and you, and he and Dwayne had this thing. I talked to both of them about this, where they had this contest where they were just toying with people during the 12, 13 season of who was going to shoot 50% or better that night. Right. And so both of them did it to me that like they would not take a shot. That didn't look like a great shot. I would like to see the winning percentage of the teams they beat when he got triple doubles. Yeah, I think that might be telling, right? You're, you're digging. You're becoming metrics guy now. <laughs> no, but no. Listen, if if you're if you're racking up numbers against bad teams, but but it, but I mean, there are a lot of bad teams. But it's a bad narrative to say that when he that that it's detrimental. Then when he gets triple doubles, it, I'm not. No, I'm, I didn't say when he gets triple doubles. I so said you have a problem with the assist. Okay, he's well. All right, so let's look at I, one of the other. Stats. I don't even have a problem with the assist. I have a problem with the way he goes about it. Right. He's also an elite rebounder for a guard, is he not? And you, now, and if you're you, selling out for rebounds because you're trying, you're trying to get the stats, that's a that's a whole other thing. Okay, when, fine. All right, but when Stephen okay, Adams is boxing out his teammates to get you a rebound on the free throw, Hassan did do that. Yeah, and did we did we like what Hassan did it? Right, but Hassan did do other things that we right. <laughs> Russ does like I, I like okay. So you're gonna say two or three of the rebounds are basically him undercutting his own guys. Okay, what about the other seven, the other eight, the other nine, the other ten? You, I did give it to him. He's, he's an elite rebounding guard. He's right. elite. He's elite. And and you just traded, okay, and I'm glad they did, okay, they traded us their best rebounder by far. Bam is not an elite rebounder at this stage. He's not. And they don't have elite rebounders around him. Uh, uh, Olenek is, is not an elite rebounder. Myers Leonard is not an elite rebounder. That's their front court. Justice I, might be their best rebounder. Justice, right, they don't have great rebounding. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, Josh was not really either, okay, but he was okay. But they don't have – I mean, DJJ is not at that stage. He became better as an offensive rebounder. But I'm talking about his defensive rebounder that's not – he's just not thick enough yet. So, they don't have great – now, Jimmy's a plus rebounder for his position. But they don't have plus rebounding. So, they need to get it. Their best rebounders, like you said, if, if it's Jimmy and – let's say Justice is here. If it's Jimmy, Justice, and Russell, they might be the three best rebounders on the team. So, like – you're You're paying $40 million for rebounding. Well, you're not just paying for <laughs> I know, but that's but that's what I'm saying. I, I, if, if you couple if Russell was if Russell was making twenty five million, this is a no brainer deal, right? No brainer. It's the fact when you couple the player with the contract, to me it's just ah, it's, incon it's inconceivable. I just don't see how 
it lends itself to winning in the future yeah, when you're, you're going to be you're that just cash paying the same you're paying you're paying uh the same actually a little more to Hassan Whiteside and Tyler Johnson that you're going to be paying to Russell Westbrook. Would you And what it, that got us one first round exit. What would you would you take <laughs> Russell Westbrook over Hassan Whiteside and Tyler Johnson for that much? Yeah, wow. of course. Okay, deal done. Thank <laughs> I, I like we're quibbling like we're talking about like we're, we're talking listen about, i was also resigned to not being very good for those years I, I'm just, I, this organization butler now i want to win okay but i don't think that jimmy alone I, look talking to talking to, casey, talking to casey johnson about this you know he said the bulls basically you know they gave it two years with jimmy as their number one guy and they won basically half of their games. And, and they just decided he's not a one. And then he went to Minnesota, and he was the best player, but he wasn't sort of the, the highest profile player. And they won more. And Jimmy, you know, I was talking to John Krasinski about this today. He basically said Jimmy, you know, was, you know, got some, was worthy of MVP votes when, you know, at one point Minnesota was third in the West before Jimmy tweaked his knee, I think, that year. And so, like – uh, you know, and he believes Jimmy's a top 15 player. I still think Russ is a top 15 player. So if you, if, you, if you throw Jimmy and Russ in the mix and you're getting more out of them from an efficiency standpoint, you know the effort's going to be there from both of them. They don't have to add to that. You just get them to be more efficient. You get them to refine it. You've got two top 15 players. Now let's say you keep Bam. Let's say that Bam this year becomes a top five center in the NBA. I think it's doable. Maybe not this year, but I think he's going to get close. You're talking about three legitimate pieces then. Then you start to add in, you know, what they have in terms of G League. Then you start to add into them, you know, you do get a couple of veterans to come next offseason because they see that things are working with Jimmy and Russ, and it's still freaking Miami, okay? It's still this organization. It's still the no-state tax. It's still the beaches. It's still the women. It's all of that stuff, okay? And they all want to come down. So I just – and the other thing I think that happens, and I don't want to look past this, and we got to close because we've gone longer than we should have today, but – the other thing not to look past is it's going to look like the heat of like Riley has resurrected himself from the dead. Right. And I oh, think, oh, definitely. I mean, right. a lot of heat Twitter sitting here eating their words from the last four years. Right. Okay. So let's or say their tweets. Right. Well, they'll delete all of them, but like, but let's, let's just say that, okay. The narrative on this franchise changes back to what it was, which is, no matter what happens, they figure it out. And the reality is they lost the benefit of the doubt, rightly so, over the summers of 16 and 17. The Dwayne situation, the bad contracts, and all those things that happened. Bosch wasn't their fault. But like the other things that happened. And now all of a sudden, they're back. And unlike when we talk about the Canes being back, they're legitimately back. Like, okay. I think it's, I think it's happened. Just with the Jimmy, when you look at what Jimmy did and just decided, okay, I'm going to the Heat. But you have all these other offers on the No, no, I'm going to the Heat. But what right. about, no, no, going to the heat. Like, I think it's already, uh, it's already happening, the, the kind of the turn of, of the, the, the perception of Riley. And then Russ basically making it known today that he wants the same thing. So this whole idea that, like, you know, it, it's one thing. Like, the Dolphins are in South Florida, too. The Dolphins have no state tax. You know, the women, the women who go to the games at, at the stadium <laughs> – look roughly like the women who go to the games at the arena. Rough, roughly. <laughs> we need to end the pod. But, 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 but get I'm, I'm punch drunk at this point. I'm not real drunk, but maybe later. But 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 look, they're, but nobody wants to come to Miami to play for the Dolphins. And it's not just because the trading facilities in, you know, in Rodeo Town. 
it, it's, it's because there's a perception that they never get things right. Now, maybe that changes, but there's a perception. But there has been a perception that the Heat get things right, and they and, lost that perception, and I think it's back. If you get Russ and Jimmy Butler in a summer where you had nothing to sell? <laughs> yeah, you had no, no – everyone goes into the summer with cap space, and he'd have no cap space. They might walk away with two top 20 players. I won't give you top 15. I refuse. All right, uh, you could do 20. Make the damn deal. I'll <laughs> just make it. All right, we'll do another podcast when this happens. I'm not saying if. I just, I, I've been at this game too long, Alf. It's inevitable. It's happening, right? Detroit's going to throw the, just going to give them 18 picks and it's just going to, it's going to be over. Well, oh, the Heat have to stand firm. All right, I gave them Harrow. That's it. That's it. Harrow. All of a sudden, Tyler Harrow. We still can't even pronounce the name correctly. Harrow Harrow. I, I, Whatever is. But Tyler, Tyler, but Tyler Harrow all of a sudden has become the difference. A guy that nobody wanted, and again, now they do, and I understand why. But like ten days ago, nobody wanted. But all of that's, a sudden, that's Tyler all I'm Harrow, giving up. Tyler Harrow is the reason that you're not going to get a guy who's going to the Hall of Fame, who's still, who's not that far out of his prime. He's not 38. I just anyway, we'll talk to you soon. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.